Happy Resurrection Day to every single one of you on your way in. You should have been given a shirt. If you did not get one, please make sure you get one on your way out. And uh, we have them in different sizes. So if you're on that diet, you want to get the next size down because you know you're going to fit into it next week, we're good. Um, just make sure you get your shirt. All right. Um, and, and the shirt says this. It says faith. And it's got faith across multiple different languages. It's a, if you can put that one up there nice and big. It's got it in Spanish. It's got it in Dutch. Help me out. Helof. All right. It's got it in Italian. Anybody speak Italian? Because I don't. And I, was, I thought it was foy. That's French. But I was told it's foie. So foie. Um, Amy, help me out. Say it one more time. Shingho, that's that corner. Did I say it right? Chinko. That was in Japanese right there in the corner. Hawaiian, Kamanalo, Kamanayo. And we've got it in Greek, which is pistis. And we've got it, help me out now, Pananam Palataya. Pananam Palataya. And that is faith in Filipino. And I want to tell you something. You and I, we are people of faith. And as we've been talking this entire year about faith, what more do we need to do on an Easter Sunday than hit faith again? Because the very thing that Christianity lays upon is the resurrection of our Savior, and we know that that happened through faith. Jesus himself had declared, I'm going to die, but on the third day, I will raise from the grave. And so what is faith? And we've been talking about faith all year long. What is faith? And this is the way we've defined it. Faith is this, complete trust in someone or something. Complete trust in someone or something. That is what faith is. Complete trust. You know, if you only have a partial trust, there's not fullness of faith. If you think they're going to let you down, there's not a fullness of faith. Complete trust is what faith is. And then I asked myself, myself the question, or asked you the question this morning, in who do we trust? I was reading an article that CNN put out yesterday talking about Christianity being dead or on the brink of death in the United States of America. Talking about how the way in Europe has declined over and over and we were going the same way. Talking about the way that, that, that the younger generation is not wanting anything to do with Christianity or with quote-unquote religion. Talking about the way that over and over again the, the number of people that classify as none as their religious affiliation continues to grow. But I'm here to tell you something. Christianity, our relationship with Jesus is alive and well. And through you and I and in our faith in him, it will continue to grow and we will fulfill the great commission the problem is that too many times we have made christianity about religiosity and religion doesn't save anyone it's about a relationship with the one who left the tomb to reside in your heart and you think about that for a second jesus left the tomb to reside in our heart He's no longer in a grave. It's what separates us from every other, if you would, religion in the world. Is that our Savior, he died to take the place for our sin, but he didn't stay in the grave. And in the same way, you and I, we face obstacles, we face circumstances, but we don't stay there because the same power that took Jesus out of the grave will get you and me out of the circumstance and into what God has for us. Throughout all of scripture, we see people facing obstacles. We see the children of Israel get out of Egypt and be 
confronted with the Red Sea, but God opened it so that they would cross through. We saw David when he, Goliath comes and is defying the armies of Israel, and he looked and he said, I will go because God is with me. We see over and over again the way that the power of God got people through a circumstance. And in the very same way, you and I, no matter what we're facing, no matter what we're going through, no matter what's in front of us, it is the power that took Jesus out of the grave that resides in us and will overcome it as well. In whom do we trust? I want us to... Go to Hebrews chapter 11. It's what we've been in throughout this entire year, man. You, you, Hebrews 11, by the end of the year, you're all going to know it by memory, and that's good. <laughs> Hebrews 11, starting in verse 1, it says like this. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith... We understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to jot this down. Faith makes us stand out. Faith makes us stand out. Here in verse number two, it says that by faith, these men and women of old, they received the commendation. Can I tell you, you don't give a commendation to someone who didn't achieve something. It's part of the problem in today's society. Everybody gets a commendation. But in our faith, those that excel and grow, you and I, as we see people grow in their walk with God, we're like, wow, that person I admire, I want to go, I want to be like that. In the same way, these people of old receive the commendation, and you and I, our faith makes us stand out. When the world, which is in chaos and afraid of the market crashing and afraid of, uh, of inflation and afraid of every circumstance and every disease and every virus and everything that's going on around it, when the world is in chaos but the body of Christ is at peace, our faith makes us stand out. When the world is worried but we're at peace because the greater is he that lives in me than him that lives in the world, the world will say there's something different. In the same way that the children of Israel, when the plagues came, there was a distinction amongst what happened to the Egyptians and what happened to them because of their faith. When you read it in Exodus, it says that the plagues that were attacking the Egyptians, man, think about this one for a second. It was dark over all of Egypt, but there was light in Goshen. There was a distinction. You and I are different. We should be different, and that's a good thing. When the world looks and says, but you don't do what we do. I know I don't. Oh, you're judging me. No, I'm not. I just don't do what you do. There's something different about us. Faith makes us stand out. The second thing we see here and we talk about is that faith sees it before it happens. Through faith, it said in verse 3, we're able to believe or understand that God created everything out of nothing. What is faith other than you being able to see it before it happens? It's easy to go by what our eyes see. It's easy for us to go in the direction of what we see happening around us. But faith calls and sees those things that are not as though they are. And not only does faith see it first, faith also believes it first. Before it happens, I believe that it's coming. And I can take it to the bank and rest assured that what God has promised will happen because he is faithful. He's never bounced a check 
and he's not starting with you or me. And us being able to see it, changing our declaration, changing what we're believing will alter our course. Faith sees it before it happens. They picture it before it happens. Believes it. The woman with the issue of blood, the Bible says that she purposed it. She knew, she believed that if she would only touch Jesus, she would be healed. And what happened? She got through the crowd and touched him and received her healing. She first believed it, then she received it. What do we see in Jairus? Jairus said, come pray for my daughter. Jesus said, let's go. And when they came to Jairus and said, don't bother the master, look at it. He's already, she's already dead. Jesus looked and said, fear not. She's not dead. She's only sleeping. Believed it before it happened. We see the other centurion who comes to Jesus and says, my servant is ill to the point of death. Jesus says, I will go. The centurion said, no, 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 no. You don't need to come if you just say it. It'll happen. And Jesus, you know what he said? I've never seen faith like this in all of Israel. Which leads me to this. Look at what verse number six of chapter 11 says. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. As the New King James translation says it this way. It is rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Church, faith pleases God. People ask, how do I please God? How do I know if I'm supposed to do this or that? Our faith will please God. The way that we believe, the way that we call out what we are believing for, that pleases God. So we got to understand that. Faith makes us stand out We've got to see it before it happens, believe it before it happens, and it pleases God. But I ask this question, how do we grow in our faith? Right, like, like you ever been given, you remember when you were in math class, some of us more years than others? And they gave you a problem and said, here you go, solve it. And you looked at it, and you said, but how do I do it? Has anybody ever told you, oh, you just do this, just, this is what you got to do, you just got to have faith, and you're like, how do I do that? So ask me, or I ask you, how do we grow in our faith? Well, the Bible is very clear in how we go to our faith. Back to verse number six. It says that those who diligently seek him, diligently seek him. If you want to be able to grow in your faith, you and I need to diligently seek God, constantly pursue God. You ever met somebody that says, this year I'm getting in shape? They even go get a gym membership. They go to the gym one day. They get home and they look at the mirror and say, that didn't work. You know what I'm talking about, right? When you see somebody that's shredded, when you see somebody that's ripped, that wasn't a one-day thing. That was every day push-ups and sit-ups and gym machines and, and squats and, and all the different things. It wasn't a, I do it once and now I'm good. Why do we think that if I only go to God when I need it, I'm going to be okay? You and I, if we want to grow in our faith, we need to diligently seek him. Every single day, as I said before, acknowledge, trust, and lean on him. You and I need him. If you want to grow in your faith, what are you putting into it? I've met believers who have been Christians for decades, 
but they're still stuck on milk. And you meet believers who get saved and immediately give everything to God and pursue him diligently, and their faith begins to grow immensely. You know what happens? The world happens. Think about a child. A child is innocent, right? Jesus said you have to have faith like a child. Why? Because a child, if you say it, they believe it. But us, God tells us something in his word, and we're like, well, if it's his will, dude, if it's in the word, it's his will. He wants you to excel. He wants you to grow. He wants you in health. He wants you to have relationship with him. Those aren't suggestions. Those are things that he desires, but you and I need to diligently search after him, diligently pursue him, spend time in prayer, spend time in worship, spend time reading the word. You and I need to read the word of God. This is the second thing. Look at uh, Hebrews chapter, go back to Hebrews and go down to chapter 12, verses one and two. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Number one, how do we go in our faith? We diligently seek him. Number two is this, get surrounded by people of faith. Get surrounded by people of faith. I know some of you don't speak Spanish, but there's a saying in Spanish that says, dime con quien anda y te diré quien eres. Tell me who you're hanging out with, I'm going to tell you who you are. Sometimes we hang out with people and we tolerate certain behaviors, and before you know it, we talk like them, we act like them, we dress like them. Why? Because of who we're surrounded with. If you and I want to grow in our faith, we need to surround ourselves with other people of faith. Hebrews 12.1 starts with, and now having such a great cloud of witnesses, there are dozens of people in chapter 11 that it talks about their faith. It talks about Abel, and it talks about Abraham, and it talks about David and Barak, and it, it, it talks about Gideon, and it talks about Noah, and it talks about Moses, and it talks about Moses' parents, all these different people. And you and I have people around us that we can surround ourselves with in order to grow in our faith. Who do we listen to? Who do we surround ourselves with? Who do we bring into closeness? Right, let's go back to the story of Jairus and his daughter. I just referenced it about three minutes ago. Jesus is on his way with Jairus to pray over his daughter because Jairus' faith was if you come, she will be made well. When he's interrupted and said, leave him alone, she's already dead. Jesus responds and says, she's not dead, she's just sleeping. And they go over to the house. And you know who was in the house? All the people crying and all the people mourning, all the professional wailers. Screaming, oh, she's dead, she's dead. And Jesus looked and said, she's not dead, she's sleeping. They made fun of him and they mocked him. And you know what Jesus said? These people that are not of faith got to go. So he kicked them all out of the house. You got to read the Bible. If Jesus pushes out the people who didn't believe, why do you think that you can be surrounded by people who don't love God, don't want anything to do with God, have no faith for what you're believing for, and you're going to get it? Let me take it to you one step further. Jesus goes to his own hometown. And you know what the Bible says? That while he was in his hometown, he was only able but to perform a few miracles 
because of the people's unbelief. I'm sure they came in and be like, it says it. They were like, but that's Mary's son. That's Joseph's son. That's James's brother. That's Jesus. What do you mean he's the Messiah? I remember when he would soil his diaper. Listen, Jesus was 100% man. He went to the bathroom too. Some of y'all are like, what do you mean he soiled his bathroom? No, no, no. And it probably smelled too. Like, don't, you know, just really understand that. That's what they said. How? Him? So you and I, in the same way, if we're believing God for something, we need to surround ourselves with people who also believe. Surround ourselves with people who will encourage. Surround ourselves with people who will look and say, yes, you can, because God is with you. Years ago, when I was in high school, 26 years, wow, 26 years ago. Some of y'all not even 26 years old. I graduated before you. Anyway, sorry, sorry. Squirrel. In our science class, we had a fish tank, big old fish tank. Mr. Willoughby was our science teacher. And we had a nurse shark inside of our shark tank. It was our little pet, class pet, sharky. And we'd feed him, and we got him as a little thing, and he started growing, and he was about a foot and a half or so, almost two feet long, and he stopped growing. And the reason he stopped growing was because the tank was a certain dimension, and he would only grow to the dimension of the tank to where he'd still be able to turn and swim. And many of us, we're not where God wants us because we're surrounded by people with a small fish tank. And when we surround ourselves in the bigger tank, we'll start growing again. You know, after a year of having sharking not growing, our teacher called Disney because we do things, trips at, to Epcot, and we donated Sharky to the Living Seas, and they put him in the big fish tank, and guess what? He started growing again. And you and I, if we come to Christ and want our faith to grow, need to surround ourselves by people that are going to give the space to our faith to grow. Who are we surrounded with? Who are we surrounded with? We need to diligently seek God. We need to get surrounded by people of faith to learn from them, to grow with them. And this is a key one. Look at this one here. Look at what it says. Verse number one, again, of chapter number 12. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings closely. If you want to grow in your faith, if I want to grow in my faith, we need to do this. We need to cast off sin. We cannot, we cannot grow in our faith as we continue to do what hurts God. Watch, watch. I'm going on a diet, and I am doing very well on my carbs, but I have four scoops of chocolate chunk ice cream before bed. Scale's not going to go down. <laughs> and sometimes we say, but, but I'm worshiping in the morning, and I'm trying to read the word, and, I, and I'm doing this, but there's things in our life that we have not decided to let go of. We're carrying these weights, and God says, it's time. Let go of those weight. Because as you let go of the weight, you can do what the next thing is this. Run the race with endurance. Run the race with endurance. My oldest daughter, Abigail, she's into running right now, so I'm into running. Not because I run. I watch. 
at her track meet this week. She was like, come on, Dad, warm up with me. And I was like, I'll go with you to warm up. She's like, no, 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 like run with me. I did about 45 seconds. I was like, I watch. <laughs> you go. <laughs> but one thing I've noticed about these track meets, one thing I've noticed about people running is that they don't put on extra weight before they get to the start line. As a matter of fact, they wear uniforms that are tight so that the wind would not cause drag. They wear things that are lightweight so that they're not heavy. Running shoes are light, they're not heavy. Why? Because the more weight you put on, the slower you become. And there is sin in our life that needs to go. And as we shed that weight, we'll be able to grow in our faith with him. What is in our life that God says no? We come to him and there's things that the world says it's okay. But God says it's not. And I don't live by what the world says is okay. I live by what the word of God says is okay. And yes, the world can think that's controversial. And I will love anyone but I'm not going to do something that God says is not okay. Let's say with a simple one here. If you haven't filed taxes, they're due at the end of the week. Don't cheat on them. That's sin. Y'all think I'm going to go just all oh, this big stuff. No, no, no. What is in our life that God says, don't do that. You are my son and daughter. Don't lie. Don't covet. Don't steal. What are things that we are bringing on and that we think it's okay? You know, I, I can say this because I'm from Cuban descent, all right? But them Cubans, man, we're that cut out sometimes. And the government that they were under and the regime they were under made them many times do things that are not in God's plan in order to survive. Like, for example, many a Cuban in Cuba who would file for divorce so that they can then inherit. One inherits the property from somebody else because you weren't allowed to have two properties at one point in time. So now they're living in sin as husband and wife but divorced on paper. No, 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 no. You want to grow in your faith? Do what God says to do. Even if the world says it's okay. If God says it's not, it's not. Who are we surrounding ourselves with? And we've got to get up and run the race. What good does it do for me to go to track practice or cross-country practice every single day and not go to the meet? And that's what a lot of Christians want to do. We want to, we'll, we'll go to church, we'll worship a thing, but oh, I don't want to run the race. No, 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 I'm not going to tell anybody about Jesus. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to fulfill it. No, 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 that's, that's, that's hard. No, 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 run the race with endurance. You know why it says the word endurance? Because it's hard to run. I watch Abigail run these 1,500-meter races. And she goes out there, and she starts running, and, and, and she's getting better each and every meet and doing all these stuff. And, and you see, you always see some of these kids, who they, 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 they go, and they want to just put all this thing, and then they start dropping back, and they start dropping back. And you know who's going to end up taking it? The person who has endured and makes it to the end. The person who is done the part, who has put in the effort. 
And you and I, if we want to grow in our faith, if we want that resurrection power to get out of the circumstance that we're in, we need to diligently search after him. We need to let go of the weight. We need to surround ourselves with people of faith, and we need to run the race. Run the race. Come against the fear that doesn't let you run the race. There's this quote that I like from, um, oh, what's the name of the movie? A Cinderella Story. When she walks into the diner that the wicked stepmom had taken over or whatnot. And all of a sudden, this thing falls off the wall. And this quote that her dad used to have that was up on there. And it said, don't let the fear of striking out keep you from swinging the bat. And man, so, or playing the game, thank you. So many times you and I allow fear to stop us from running the race that God has put before us. Fear does not have part in us. Fear is a spirit. And the Bible says it, not me. The Bible says in Timothy, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. If it causes you to enter fear, it's not from God. And you have the authority, especially as you're surrounding yourself with people, as you're growing in your faith, to say, fear, go. And here's the last one. After you diligently seek him, surrounded by people of faith, you cast off sin, you run the race, you have to look to Jesus. That's what it says right there. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Think about that for a second. It says run the race with endurance. Jesus had to endure the cross. And can I tell you one more thing? He didn't want to. Oh, pastor, how are you saying that on Easter Sunday? What did he pray three times at the Garden of Gethsemane? Father, if there is any other way, pass this cup from me. But then he surrendered his will. Not my will, but your will. So he went and he endured. You and I will run the race with endurance, but we need to look to Jesus. This is another thing I'm learning about running. Is that the person who does well is always looking, standing straight up, and looking forward. I was watching, I I watch these training videos now as we're helping her or whatnot, and I was watching this video of this kid, they're running like the 100-meter dash, and he takes off, and he's beating everybody, and he's running hard, he's beating everybody, and he turns around and goes, bye, and you know what happened? (laughs) To the floor and finished last. He took his eyes off the goal. And when you and I take our eyes off of Jesus... We're not going to make it to where we need to be. Church, I challenge you. Not just on this Easter Sunday, but every day work at growing in your faith. How do we do that? What do we need to do diligently, continually? Like the person working out or the person trying to lose weight. I gave this example earlier. You know, my, my wife and I, we've been married 16 years. And we fell trapped to what plagues every person that gets married. And is that as soon as we got married, we gained weight. You know what I'm talking about, right? Come on, you lose weight right before. Y'all looking at me like, oh, not me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at everybody's wedding picture and look at a picture three months later. As a matter of fact, if three months later you try to put the dress back on or the tux back on, it might not fit. And, you know, 
for years, we're like, oh, we're, you know, we're gonna, I got married at probably about 140, 150 pounds. And before you know it, I was like at 200. And I tried to lose some weight, nothing. She had the babies, tried to lose the weight, nothing. You know what happened? We did it together. And when a few years ago, together we took it on, we overcame. And that is why the second point that I said, we need to be surrounded by other people who look at us and say, we got this. You got the diagnosis? That's fine. This is what God says. Let's pray together. Yeah, yeah, your, your child walked away from God, but that's okay. So did the prodigal son, and he was at a point where he said, in my father's house, I'm going to go back, and then you will be there just to welcome him in, just the same way the heavenly father would. The, the, you got a situation with your finances, your brother and sister in Christ come and says, hey, 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 don't get fearful, don't stop. Come on, we got to continue, because as your soul prospers, he will make you prosper. Now, I want you to understand that, by the way. Let's, let, let's plug into that for a while, because a lot of people are like, oh, when I come to Christ, there's prosperity. No, 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 as your soul prospers. If you ain't growing spiritually, don't ask for the other blessing. God ain't no genie. I just watched Aladdin with Alexandra. You know, you're, you're like, make my stock grow, you know? No. As I grow in my walk with God, he will guide me. You know what we do a lot? We do, we, we do a lot. We get what we're praying for, and then we forget. Which is why the Bible is full of things that says, don't forget. As a matter of fact, the children of Israel, when they're about to enter the promised land, God says to them through Moses, when you go in there, beware lest you forget that I'm the one that gave it to you. Be careful lest you forget that I'm the one that gives you the ability to gain the wealth. I'm the one that took you. And yesterday in our men's breakfast, we were talking a little bit about that. And, as, and somebody had mentioned something, and I, and I started talking about that that had hit me in my daily Bible reading out of Deuteronomy, how God continually said, don't forget, don't forget. And one of the guys said, Pastor, man, it's as if you were reading my head, because right now, I was thinking about that. When I came to Christ, I was pursuing him. I was reading the Bible. I was praying for all these things. And right now, I have everything I was praying for. My marriage, my kids, my, my work, my, uh, uh, my school, all these things are happening. So now I'm so busy, I say, God, I don't have time. And as I'm thinking that, you came out and said, beware lest you forget. Can I tell you this morning, as we grow in our faith, and we get what we're believing for, don't forget who did it. Continue to praise him. Continue to honor him. As a matter of fact, do it even more. Do you know what the Bible says? Everyone that encountered Jesus at the resurrection, do you know what Jesus told them all? Go tell somebody. Watch. Mary Magdalene, Salome, and the other Mary and the ladies that came to anoint Jesus is what they went to the gravesite to do. When Jesus speaks to Mary Magdalene, when she thinks it's a graveyard worker and says, where did you put his body? And he says, it's me. And she says, Rabboni. He says, go tell the disciples I'm alive. When he shows up on the way to Cephas and they're walking and, 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 and he says to him, he's like, he's like, hey, what are you guys talking about? And they're like, are you the only person that doesn't know what just happened to the prophet? 
and Jesus is listening to them, and then he begins to reveal all the scriptures to them. And finally, when they get into the house and he breaks the bread, their eyes are revealed. You know what they did? They got up and ran back to tell somebody. When God does something for us, don't keep it quiet. Go tell somebody. Look at what God did. Because that's going to help somebody else continue to believe and grow in what God is doing in them. Church, as a worship team, come to the altar. What is the Easter story? Resurrection Sunday. Can I tell you? What took Jesus out of the grave is what gets you and me out of whatever circumstance we're facing. And we continue to believe. We continue to trust. And we understand this. He will never leave you or forsake you. He'll never let go of you. He didn't promise that things were going to be perfect. He promised he would never leave you alone. He didn't promise that things were going to be perfect all the time or great all the time. He promised that he would be with you through it all. And I grab a hold on that. And so I ask myself today, where is God in the priority of my life? I ask myself the question today, does God have the first spot? Or does he get whatever I might have left over, if any? Is there things in my life that I have held on to that God has said let go of? Are there people in my life that I am holding on to and listening to and admiring and want to be like? And they're not people of God? And they're not people of faith. And they're not people who encourage me. Am I sitting there watching people run the race that I was called to run? Have I taken my eyes off of Jesus? The author and finisher of my faith. If you find yourself in any single one of those categories, I've got good news for you. He left the tomb to live in you and make a way to get to heaven. So no matter where you are in your walk with God today, perhaps you walked in here today and you're on fire for God, but there's still some things God says, I've got another level. There's another gear in you. I got a little bit. Perhaps you walked in and you've never truly placed your trust in God. Perhaps you're one of the people that you trust in yourself. Well, I need to do it. I, when I fix myself, then I'll go to God. Man, I, 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 I don't take antibiotic and then go to the doctor. I go to the doctor and take what he prescribes. Why do we try to fix ourselves before we go to God? No, no, no. God says, I have room for you. I want to take what perhaps you've messed up and make something fresh and new. I want to take what is in your life has been buried, perhaps a calling, perhaps a desire or a dream, and I want to take it out of the grave. And God says to you this morning, like those, this angel said to the women at the gravesite, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Come on, church, let's stand to our feet. And I want us to right now just look at our inside. Look at our heart. 
And I want us to ask ourselves a series of questions. The first one is, have I given Jesus my heart? Have I given him room? Have I given him the room and made him my Lord? I want you to look at yourself and perhaps you have made Jesus the Lord of your life, but there's things that are weighing you down. There's people that you need to push off and say, no, 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 no. I love you, but I'm not going to have you close to me. Are there things that are withholding you from running the race that's laid before you? Are there things that have made you take your eyes off of Jesus? As we worship this morning, regardless of what phase you are in, can you ask him to show you what you need to do next? close it's just you and God we're gonna pray in just a minute but ask him to talk to you 